Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good afternoon, listeners. This is your today's radio show host, Devia Parekh, back again with the show Beyond Confidence for Success. We are where we are. That's fine. However, what's next? We need to think about it. We are not satisfied with what we have. It's about the values. It's about the driving forces. It's about every area of our lives. We are looking for improvement. We are looking for what's next, how we can improve ourselves, and how we can help others to grow a solid and supportive community. And without further ado, I would like to welcome our two esteemed hosts, guests, Sakina Gordon-Jones and Beth Hebner. So a little bit about myself. I am your today's radio show host, Divya Parik. I am an internationally known leadership coach and business relationship coach, speaker, and author. As heading the DP Coaching Group, I help business owners, leaders, achievers, coaching you to achieve your personal and professional goals with laser focus and unstoppable confidence. I'm also the co-author of international Amazon best-selling book, The Voyage to Your Vision, and I've authored several other books, namely on topics like emotional intelligence, critical thinking, leadership, and influence, and mainly, I'm here to serve and support you. So I'm going to share a little bit about our guest today. So welcoming Sakina Gordon-Jones. Sakina is an author, speaker, coach, and strategy expert. She works with women and leaders who want to make the leadership experiences more authentic, more effective, and more fulfilling. Sakina's career spans roles in leadership, consulting, and strategic planning. She is a dynamic trainer and leadership development professional. She directs the business coaching program at NC State University, and I've seen that firsthand, and she is phenomenal. Sakina is also the chief coaching officer for Transformation Edge and works with clients in the government and private sectors. She's the author of The Art and Practice of Transformational Leadership and has appeared on the coaching radio show and WPTF News Show. And our other esteemed guest, Beth Himner, is a learning and development manager in the newly formed Leadership and Team Intelligence Organization at Cisco Systems. Beth has held technical service leadership positions for most of her 19-year Cisco career, which led her to realize the strongest teams are those formed with people aligned to work what they love doing. Her desire to help others identify their own strengths and apply them to meaningful work has led her to the career counseling 
and executive coaching profession. At Cisco, she has provided virtual and in-person coaching to over 500 Cisco employees across the globe. She has also expanded the coaching to team to 25 certified coaches across the U.S. and Europe. So listeners, we are very fortunate to have these two dynamic ladies in our show today to share their experiences and insights that will really help us go dig deep in why coaching matters in organizations. I would like to welcome you, Sakina, to share a little bit more about yourself and how you got attracted to the coaching profession. Oh, I'd be happy to. So my career covered several different roles, but one of the roles was a strategic advisor. And during that period of time while I was doing that work, I was actually approached by an executive to work with them one-on-one. And that was sort of my introduction into coaching. The the power of working with one leader to really help that leader understand their own blind spots and really increase their capacity to lead was the starting place for me with coaching and seeing how impactful that is, not just for that leader, but that leader's team and then, in fact, the entire organization is sort of what got me moving in towards this field and really transitioning into being a full-time coach and working primarily with leaders um, of all sizes and shapes, but leaders who impact not only their own performance and goals, but that of the entire organization. Hmm, Very profound. It's about working with leaders, turning their blind spots into assets. That's what coaches do. And when we have worked with leaders, there's a dominoes effect, and you can see the ripples far-reaching in the whole company. Yeah. That's great. Yes. There's actually, you know, if you think of it, there's a process for everything. And sort of the process that I've coined around this work is shift, transform, thrive, right? Because it really does all begin with a shift. And that is Mm -hmm. being able to see something completely different than you've ever seen it before. And that difference that you see resonates deeply enough within you that you commit to being different, period. You can actually, from a shift, never go back to the way things were. So when you get a leader to that place of shift, then they're right in front of a transformation. And that transformation for that leader begins to change everything that they're surrounded with, their team, their, their talent, their organization. And when you get all of those pieces moving in the same direction, you're setting yourself up to thrive. Mm-hmm. So shift, transform, thrive. Definitely. It definitely resonates with me. And I would like to invite Beth to share about her impressive career as to how was your journey, Beth, from the professional career to moving towards coaching? Sure. And my story is a a little bit more practical in that I got into this profession um, as a survival technique. And let me explain that. 
So when I was <laughs> leading large technical services organizations at Cisco many years ago, I was primarily working with very introverted, very intellectual, smart engineers. And um, the type of work we were doing was technical support, which is a high burnout kind of job. And um, there'd be this three- to five-year mark where they'd hit the wall and decide, I can't do this anymore, I need to change jobs. And without a conversation, they were, they were applying for anything they were qualified for rather than what they wanted to be doing next. And they'd jump and not be happy in that next role. And here I am, left managing a team, not being able to plan my headcount, not be able to, to do the work at hand because I didn't have control over who was leaving and how to hire proactively for that. So I would sit down with my engineers and work with them to figure out where do you get the most fulfillment in this role? What is going to feed you next? What would you like to be doing and how can we work together to get there? And just over time, I started to gain a reputation for being a strong mentor, for being an advocate, helping people figure out what is that thing they want to do next. And it led me to thinking, well, if I can do this for my teams, why can't I do this for everyone at Cisco? And I went back to school and got my master's in career counseling and then eventually uh, realized that if I trained more leaders, if I could coach our leaders to, to also develop this coaching mindset, then they could e touch even more employees. So that's when I got um, into coaching, and I work now with leaders at Cisco in both coaching and also creating development programs for them. Mm -hmm. Fantastic story. As you said, uh, we definitely need to look at the practical aspects too <laughs> as about the engineer's goal. So I'm not a engineer by education. However, I was thrown into engineering background because as things happen, as you acquire experience, you get the experience in that arena. And when I was working with engineers, they do have this reputation, unfortunately, that they're a close-knit group and they think rationally and it's all data-wise and scientifically and they definitely benefit from coaching. So I've definitely seen that firsthand. So that's a great application of what you have seen in your practical experience. And this definitely gives us a good segue to our today's topic is why coaching matters in organization. So Sakina, mm -hmm. as you have yep. coached leaders in the organization, how do you see from your perspective the coaching bringing the change and impacting in any organization? Yeah, I think that um, we have to realize that organizational leaders face numerous challenges. And I like to liken it to they're flying a jet, and while they're in the air flying that jet, there are several things happening that have to be attended to for the safety of all those on board and to get them to their <laughs> destination, right? They've got to keep mm -hmm. their eyes on lots of dials. There needs to be someone attending to the passengers. There needs to be someone helping them to have guidance on outside. Sometimes they may be low on fluid and have to actually refuel in the air. So 
all kinds of challenges are happening as they're they're flying this aircraft. And so inside of an organization, there are workplace issues that come up and they can be internal issues that arise or issues with customer base, et cetera. Um, they have to be able to deal with workplace issues, employment engagement, keeping employees in a state of empowerment and in the right alignment, so the right seat on the bus, as Beth was mentioning earlier, so that they're not shifting um, without thought, <clears throat> leadership effectiveness, and also, which is becoming even more important today, a challenge that they're having, leadership succession. So they've got to keep their eyes on these things. Retaining their top talent becomes another challenge, as well as recruiting top talent. Right. So these are all challenges, the way the organization is performing, how they're meeting the changing needs of their customer base. Right. Mm. And then individual performance and individual self-care and self-management. Right. Managing themselves in terms of balancing out their entire life and keeping themselves from chronic stress. So you've got a mix of individual challenges people challenges, business challenges. And so these are the things that are facing the leaders of our organization, and that's whether it's small business or a large corporation. Ooh, we have just t- touched the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot to be discovered in today's show. And so listeners, just now we have just talked about what is it that the coaching will provide to the organizations. It's not only the employee engagement. It's about keeping your employees empowered because we know that that one happy person can impact up to 1,000 people. We have seen studies that have shown that. So keeping employees empowered, it's a huge task at hand. And on that note, Beth, since you have worked with so many employees, what's your take on it? Yeah, just as Sakina was saying, there is so much being thrown at our leaders right now, and they're having to watch so many of those dials that if they are not developing a coaching mindset themselves, then mm. they fall victim to, to doing. And what I mean by that is, you know, the question at hand is, do you want to teach your employees to listen to you or do you want your employees to think? And the leaders that are choosing this coaching mindset where they're empowering their employees to come up with the solutions, not only does it free that leader to to work on all these different things they have to do, but it empowers their team and increases the engagement of the team members because they're working autonomously and able to solve their own problems. Hmm. No, that definitely makes sense because from the recent studies that I have seen and worked with some of the executives, I've found that mindfulness has really made big time into C-suites where the executives and leaders are learning the difference between the doing mode and the being mode. Because when you're in the Mm -hmm. being mode and you are aware of your surroundings and situations, you are allowing your employees, your direct reports, or your emerging leaders to become 
leaders to come into their own. And when they come into their own, they are getting ready for the next succession. And that is one of the problems that Sakina mentioned. So thinking about this, so now we have definitely established that coaching can provide phenomenal results and growth to the organizations. However, what has happened in the recent years is several coaches have emerged. Some of them have been putting up boards based on their experiences. Some of them have trained through different organizations. And then, of course, there is International Coach Federation, which is the gold standard of coaching. So when we talk about coaches who have gone through the ICF certifications, so Sakina, in your experience, do you find that there is a difference between coaches who have been trained through ICF competencies and coaches who have not been trained through ICF competencies? Yes, definitely there's a difference um, in standards. And, And I think for organizations that are hiring coaches, whether to work internally or externally with their leaders, one of the challenges of really gaining the ROI from coaching is the use of skills and models, if you will. And the best practice, if you will, is really having some consistency in the skill sets that are being applied and the approaches that are being used. And I think this is the benefit of having coaches who have gone through some coach-specific training and have been mm. certified, which means certification really is a sense, a sense saying that they have some knowledge based on what they've studied. So you really would want to have a coach that has studied sufficiently um, within this skill set, within this competency area, to be able to deliver consistently across your organization, whatever the, the coaching clients are that they are going to be working with. And what ICF has done, I think, is to really begin to look at this and say, what would be the important criteria, if you will, for coaches working? And if they have meet these criteria, what would they be doing? And how would they be doing it? And how would they be thinking? So not just the skill, but literally competencies, embodying their behaviors, their attitudes, and even their approaches. And moving beyond a program certification to credentialing, right? So the whole Mm. idea behind that is that you begin to see that these are people who have gone through some rigorous training and have been peer-reviewed. And that means a lot when you are spending a significant amount of corporate dollars on a certain, you know, sort of intervention you want to make sure that you can be confident that there's something behind that. And I think that's what ICF has been able to do with certifying these programs. And they really run the gamut. There are university-based programs. There are private programs. There are programs that are recognized by other credentialing um, facilities. So, for example, Mm -hmm. you've got the World Association of Business Coaches. You have the European Council um, on mentoring and coaching, and all of them have 
sort of recognize ICF standard of ethics and as well as the competencies, even the board certifications, there are schools within that that are also approved or accredited by ICF. So I think any institution that is credentialing individuals would be looking for a standard. And I think ICF has just set that standard in terms of the competency models that they use. So, Sukina, if I'm understanding correctly, what we are sharing with our listeners who may be thinking our listeners are from different walks of life, and if they're thinking of bringing coaches in their own organizations, regardless whatever the size of the organization is, whether it's a 10-employee organization or a 500-employee organization, what we are saying is that when the coaches are credentialed, through courses regardless of whether it's a university course or another organizational coach, courses for certification of coaches, as long as they have been credentialed through ICF, you have a rigorous training that meets ICF standards. Is that correct? It's, sort of, it's mainly correct, but I will say that even ICF recognizes the fact that there are other credentialing institutes that uh, carry sufficient amount of quality of the people that, that, carry, that hold their credentials. So you don't have to necessarily have the ICF credential, but it should mm-hmm. be one that is recognized as going through thorough um, training and peer review. Right. Okay. And, yeah. So let's say if somebody was coaches who are coming from recognizable or let's say of standing organizations, how can they go about finding those organizations? Finding organizations. Finding organizations with standard programs who are turning Uh, out coaches with higher standards, which are comparable to ICF standards? Yeah, well, I can definitely speak to um, what ICF does, and Beth may be able to shed some light as well uh, from the board side, board certification. But for ICF, ICF International has a website, coachfederation.org. And on that site, they list all of the coach training programs that they have either approved or accredited. So that would be a central location that anyone could go to to find out more about a program or those that may have certification or credentials from a particular program. Oh, I see. So this way... If somebody is thinking of transitioning into a coaching career, they can go on to the ICF website and find out which institutions are recognized by ICF and get their coaching certification from there, as well as if somebody is applying as a coach to your organization, you can check their credentials against the recognized programs that are listed on ICF website. That's correct. Wonderful. And Beth, what are your thoughts on having coaches that are being hired by the organization, do they need to be credentialed 
by a reputable organization. So when I started the internal coaching program at Cisco, I talked to a lot of my peers who do this work at other companies who have internal coaches, and I listened to what works and what what doesn't work so well. And for those companies that I talk to who do not require certification, who, let's say, they put together a three-day intensive coaching training class, and after they graduate, they're, you know, in quotes, certified to be coaches, um, what I heard was it's very hard to manage the quality, that someone could be a wonderful coach without certification, but the certification is that stamp of quality. So I made the Mm. decision at Cisco that I would only have certified coaches, coaches who are working toward that ICF certification or that BCC, the board certified coach credential. And I made the decision to include both ICF and BCC, recognizing that for those who have a PhD in psychology or a master's in counseling like I do, that BCC route um, is another viable path to get the, those coaching, critical coaching skills, to have the ethics board that, that we can refer back to, and to have ongoing education associated with that. And that way I don't have to manage the quality of the coaches. I know that there's a board out there that's doing that. Mm. No, definitely. That's another great perspective so what i'm hearing is that people can be great coaches based on experience because we all bring experiences to the table and every individual has different and valuable experiences however it is about sustaining the quality consistently across the board so that all the employees are receiving the coaching as specified by ICF or by other board-certified organizations. So they are receiving the consistent and quality coaching. So, Beth, in your opinion, do you think that summarizes what you mentioned? That's exactly right. Unless I'm going to hire someone whose job it is to to go through our own internal certification process, to review tapes like a supervisor would and give the stamp of approval that, yes, this person is is using the models that we've selected and is having positive outcomes. Um, I prefer to rely on, on that external board to provide that stamp of quality. Mm. So we have talked about how coaching impacts the organizations. And in today's day and age, we have to face the reality that bottom line runs our quarters and our quarters impact our training programs. It impacts where the resources are allocated in the organizations. So we have seen that there are several studies that have shown that coaching provides a great return on investment So based on your experience, Beth, can you share, without naming any names or breaking any confidentiality, as how you have seen the impact of coaching on the bottom line of companies, whether it's Cisco or if you have shared experiences with other coaches? Sure, and and ROI is this mythical thing that we're all trying to capture. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand it can be difficult because a lot of the value of coaching is in that 
internal transformation that occurs with leaders, and you may not be able to tag that to those external results very clearly. But um, one thing in the internal coaching world that we're constantly asked to do is to show results. If we're not hitting that bottom line, then what are we doing? Uh, So one program that we worked with was in one of our lines of business, in our services organization, we had 40 newly promoted directors. So these are executives in the company. And the request from their leader was, help them get up to speed faster. And mm. we're thinking, what, what does faster mean? How can, we, <laughs> how can we put a number on that? Is it 40 days? Is it 29 days? Um, so we did a pre-assessment, a 360 assessment, on the leadership behaviors that we value at Cisco, and then a post-assessment after the coaching engagement to track, have these leaders shifted? Have they made that transformation? Um, so that was one tangible way we were able to show that ROA back to the business. Mm. Yeah. That's a great example. <laughs> and Sakina, do you have any examples that we can share with our audience? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I'd love to really work with leaders to create a line of sight to the bottom line and, and capture case studies because, as Beth mentioned, it is, hard to have an ROI of the coaching itself. But I think because we know that coaching really creates a process, right, shift transformation to results, that seeing that line of sight becomes really important. And it's when they get to that end goal and the bottom line information surfaces that they can glance back and realize how powerful coaching was and usually when they want to put more dollars towards coaching because they realize the exponential exponential impact that they can have. So one case that, that I have is a development organization that was responsible for developing, um, you know, software, basically, products that the sales organization would then sell and had a direct impact on bottom line for this company. And working with the leadership team, who were at this point operating with some dysfunction, okay, let's just say, and being <laughs> able to help them to acknowledge the dysfunction and see their blind spots and begin to work together more strategically, what they were able to do over time, right, because this doesn't happen in one month or two months, but over like a 12-month period, they found themselves delivering more software products with less defects, which meant they, they have sales that were more uh, sales that stuck, which ended up creating new revenue and creating revenue on top of that revenue because the, the customers were buying more of their products, right? So when you trace mm-hmm. that all the way back, what they were able to say is when the leadership team came through coaching and began to recognize things that they were doing that were leading to poor decisions and poor teamwork and poor communication, that the changes that they made in their behaviors actually enhanced their decision-making, facilitated better communication, increased the likelihood that the development then was 
actually happening in a way that met with what they were trying to accomplish strategically. So it actually flowed through their direct lines all the way down to the frontline employee that was coding software. And in fact, what happened is they were able to have more things going out of the door in better with better quality and making their customers more delighted, which ended up having their customers um, purchasing more and deepening their wallet share. Right. So bottom line results from coaching. Wow. Yeah, coaching is so impressive. It's so close to my heart and definitely as you illustrated all the points that even though the transformation is happening inside, you do see the manifestation of transformation externally, which is seen in decision-making. And I would like to touch upon the decision-making, that how important is decision-making? As Theodore Roosevelt said, that the best thing to do in any situation is to do the right thing. The next best thing to do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing to do is nothing. And then so many times, if we are not in the right state, if we are not committed to the organization, then so many times our leaders will take a back seat and rather than failing, they will take no action. And then that is really detrimental to the growth of organization. So talking about that, Sakina, can you share how coaching helps with the decision-making in the leaders? Yeah, I think, you know, the question of the right thing or nothing, right, <laughs> sort of <laughs> this, this whole sense of when when a leader feels like they don't have sufficient information, some of the times what can trip them up is how do they get to the right information? Because, again, we all know with leaders this sense of uh, confidence and being right pretty pervasive and so oftentimes they don't know if they don't know they either don't want to acknowledge that they don't know or they feel somewhat threatened by sharing that information or gaining information from others even their peers even their peers right and so what Mm -hmm. we've learned is that you know sometimes this is what causes dysfunction like you know people hold to their turf and they then can't get anything in or anything out. So in the end, nobody wins in that scenario, but it's kind of hard to come out of that picture because you can't necessarily see it. So in defense of leaders, sometimes, you know, you're so into the picture, as they would say, you can't see yourself. And what coaching does is help them to begin to see more objectively how they're showing up. Mm. And it's, that that vision of themselves in a more objective way that allows them to say, hmm, you know, so I'm getting in my own way, <laughs> right? And, oh. and having this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so true. Yeah. So I think having a safe place in which to begin to see what you are not seeing so that you can do what needs to be done is, part of the privilege and the benefit of coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Because our leaders, once armed with information, 
they know what to do, right? And sometimes even knowing what to do, there might be some hesitancy. So, you know, the coach helps them to deal with whatever's going on that may be really internal to them, again, that may even cause that hesitancy so that they can create, which is really the key, creating a picture of the outcome that is so compelling that even, you know, the, maybe the personal pain that may occur for a moment, you see that the outcome of that is so compelling that you're willing to endure that personal pain for a moment to get a bigger reward, a bigger result, and a better outcome for your team, for your organization. And that allows them to be able to take the step and then the next step towards getting there. And so the decisions begin to be influenced by this, as Beth calls it, changed mindset, right? And that they begin to see that as they operate with this different mindset, things actually do get better, right? And which mm. is the reason that change, that change that comes from coaching is often sustainable because it's not a technique. It's not like we're trying to give them a silver bullet. It really is something that they have to begin to see and then be in order to be able to do differently and achieve sustainable results. Mm, love it. It is about sustaining the results. You're not giving them a silver bullet, but you're sustaining the results. And that's what coach does. Coach sees what you may know, but you don't see it. And it's almost like driving the car and not seeing your blind spots, whereas the coach steps in, looks at your blind spots, and helps you turn your blind spots into great decisions where, yes, you are sensing and you are experiencing discomfort. And discomfort happens in the stages of initial stages of growth. If you're not experiencing discomfort, you're not growing. And from there, the coach will take you to the realm of painting this picture of the outcome. And as you said, Sakina, that it is so compelling that helps you gain the fuel to gain the momentum towards change. And Beth, what has your experience been in the realm of decision-making of leaders and coaching? Well, Sakina said it so very well. And um, just to reiterate that self-awareness of leaders, um, I find that, that there's an ego associated with, with leadership where I got to this position because I am the smartest, so I have to keep proving <laughs> it. I have to keep giving the answer because I need to be the smartest. And, you know, I'll never forget um, something an employee once told me as I was a new leader. And she said, Beth, do you want to know how smart, do you want us to know how smart you are or do you want to know how smart we are? Yeah. Ah, that, lovely. You know, and as the coach, we, we get to turn that mirror um, for the people we're working with and, and have leaders have that insight that, you know, my job as the leader is, is not always to tell. It's not always to, to have the right answer. But if I can be a little humble, we'll get to a better answer together. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's lovely, and I love it. It's about the coach being a guide on the side, not the star on the stage. Mm-hmm. It's the employees yeah. who are the stars. 
So now we have talked about how coaching is bringing in a transformation in leaders. And when leaders experience transformation, the ripple effect can be experienced throughout the organization. How does this transformation relate to employee engagement, Beth? So employee engagement um, is something that, that's really important at Cisco because we've seen the results. Um, there's a – don't quote me on this, but for every <laughs> point of engagement on our survey, it's tied to a million dollars of sales, that the more engaged workers are, are creating more sales. So it's something, you know, financially, we're, we're in it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one shift we're going through right now is – looking at the power that the leader has with their team engagement. So in the past, we've looked at individual development, individual engagement, leader development, leader engagement, but we've never put it together with the team. Um, so one of those drivers is, you know, the Gallup, the Gallup surveys is, am I able to use my strengths every day at work? Just a simple question. And the impact a leader can have on their organization is is to make sure that their employees get to do that. Um, and that's a shift. I think that's a mindset shift for our leaders where they customize work and they sit down and take time with their employees to figure out what is going to motivate that team, what is going to keep the employees engaged. Um, and as coaches, we can help the leader sort of see the benefits and understand the, the power of the team behind them. Hmm. The power of team behind them. Lovely. That's a great insight into the employee engagement. And we can all safely say that, that there have been several studies out there that have shown that almost 65 to 70% of U.S. employees are disengaged. And we lose anywhere between 450 to 550 billion dollars a year in revenue so definitely from that we can approximate the impact of employee engagement in the coaching performance in the organization movement so taking again coaching towards the employee engagement sakina could you share your experience that you have had with your leaders that you've worked with? Yeah, and I, if I could, Divya, I would love to share um, some information directly related to this. ICS oh, please, and, go forward. ICS and the um, Human Capital Institute, HCI, partnered mm-hmm. last year to do a study of coaching inside organizations. Mm. And one of the one of the uh, pieces of information that they came back with in that study that I found really fascinating and also extremely encouraging is the employee engagement scores for organizations that have a coaching culture, 60% and higher. Wow. Yeah. That is impressive. Very impressive and extremely encouraging because it can be done. And this is not necessarily saying that this is these are organizations that have, you know, <clears throat> a cadre of external coaches only. This is talking about coaching as it relates to 
managers using coaching skills, internal coaches, as well as external coaches. So what coaching can provide in terms of employee engagement is clearing, clearing up the ambiguity between what a person does and how they do it and what they pull on, right? So if you think of coaching from that perspective as to how do I bring out the best of this employee? How do I really tap into the talent, right, that may be latent right now, that maybe even the employee doesn't see? And so if you have a manager inside of an organization that the, their approach to performance management is really to use a coaching style and help that employee, as Beth said earlier, to think, that they can actually shift the momentum from that employee to doing, you know, just on par work to doing work that completely supersedes even the expectation that the manager may have had, right? Because they have tapped into something that allows this person to show up and use what they know how to do best, right? And so engagement, you know, when you think about it, it's really about a person being at a place where they're so connected to their work and it's meaningful to them what they're doing, that their commitment level towards it just increases. And if that's what we're looking for in terms of engagement, then coaching is a great vehicle to get there because it really helps people to connect to what is it that moves me and what is it that I'm really good at and how can I bring those two pieces together to really meet the needs in my organization and at the same time grow myself. All right. Hmm. Definitely. That says it all, and from what I heard in one of the conferences, it is, I'm not sure if it is a real statistics or not, but a speaker referenced saying that if a person likes their boss, they will work eight hours. Mm -hmm. If a person likes their job, they work for eight hours. If a person likes their boss, they work for 10 hours. And if a person's vision and mission is aligned with the organization's goals, if that's in alignment and if they feel that they are contributing to a meaningful purpose, then they're willing to work any amount of hours and they'll do whatever it takes. And it goes back to what you said, Sakina. It's about the commitment. And same thing that Beth mentioned that the employees are part of organization and they feel that they're contributing to a greater purpose. So that is an extremely great point as to how coaching can build a community rather than keeping employees as in silos, building the teams and building solid and strong teams. So we have talked about coaching in several different facets. Are there any other applications that you can think of, Beth, that can be stated that, you know, these are additional benefits of coaching in organizations that our audience can benefit from listening? Well, I think that the mere fact that an organization is willing to invest in their employees and is willing to provide coaching, it's 
it's a signal to the employer, to the leader who's getting the coaching, that we care about them as individuals, that we value their contribution. Um, so by the mere fact of, of having this available, I think it also increases engagement. Um, and then, you know, allowing them to participate in coaching will deliver higher value to the organization because, as Sakina was saying, we help that leader transform their thinking and which mm. shows up in the bottom line. Um, it, you know, working with a leader who continually gets stuck. They've tried to deliver, but they get stuck. Mm-hmm. Helping them get unstuck. Um, it's not just good for them and it increases their morale, but, but it helps the, the company as well. Mm-hmm. Very true. And it is also that, as you said, that this is a signal that the organization cares for them as individuals. And when we are talking about individuals that builds trust and once the trust is built, that is great because trust is the first stepping stone towards the relationship building and having them play engagement. And Sakina... From your experience, what are the benefits does coaching give to organizations besides all these several benefits that we've already talked about? Well, you know, there's, there are a couple of other applications. One of them Beth mentioned earlier in this um, talk, it, it's about career opportunity, right? So one of the things that a lot of HR organizations do within their companies is to create what's referred to as career pathing, right? And helping an uh, an employee to sort of navigate through the organization their career, right? Because we no longer have a situation where employees necessarily go from, you know, specialist one to specialist two to senior specialist to manager of specialist to leader of specialist, right? (laughs) Employees, you know, start to discover that they have, um, abilities and potentials and talent and strengths that allow them to do different things than maybe what they have been doing. So coaching can really come along and help that person look at, besides going from specialist one to specialist two, what else might I be able to do, right? Mm. What, 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 else, what else, what other talents do I have that really nurture me and that I really feel instinctively drawn to? And if I can begin to identify those and actually see that there are opportunities within this organization where what I have to bring as a talent and what the organization needs, there's a match there, then I could, you know, go from specialist one to organization development, you know, one to HR leader, you know, and then maybe come back to being sales leader and, and we begin to see something dynamic that can happen in the organization that really does create much more of an empowered sort of culture. So mm. I think the opportunities for coaching around career management is huge inside of an organization. And actually, when Beth was talking earlier in the conversation, she was talking about people leaving, you know, and taking something without thought. And what if they could be reflective and discover more of who they are? And what they can bring and then make conscious choices that oftentimes can be in line with the organization's goals as well. There's a win-win that you're then creating. So I think that's a huge area for coaching that 
um, we haven't necessarily, I think, spent a lot of time in organizations with, but I think it's, it's very ripe right now for, for employees. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it is coaching as a culture, as a way of life, rather than just something to be embraced. And when that coaching becomes part of the culture, employees are more open. They are seeing possibilities. And we all know that when we see possibilities, our performance also goes very high because now you're not boxed in. You are thinking outside the box and seeing that there are other opportunities besides the specialist one, specialist two, and just going in a straight trajectory. Right. Exactly. No. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Um, Divya, there, there are two more areas that I would tap on, and I would love to hear Beth's thoughts, too. Um, one that's really emerging now inside of organizations is team coaching. And mm. the idea there is to work with, this could be a leadership team or even an intact team, but really helping that team to see how they are showing up and working together and how and what the potential is for them to maybe do that differently and better, right, and actually achieve the goals that they're working on as a team faster in a smarter way. And so what, what can happen here, because we know as we continue to move through um, these, this next work generation, we have a, a group that's coming in that we refer to as the millennials, and they love to do work together. Right. So this concept of team coaching, I think, is going to be one of the new things that will begin to really shift organizations in terms of getting to that bottom line when they can have a team function agilely and highly functioning and supportive and collaborative and really create an enormous amount of synergy that I think will create exponential bottom line results. It definitely makes sense because none of us are smart as all of us. When you have a team who is in synergy, they are going to bring that think tank. They are going to bring the cognition right there with the diversified minds coming together and coming up with a better decision than an individual could come up with. Beth, would you like to share your thoughts on the topic? Absolutely. And when you introduced me, um, you mentioned the new organization that I'm a part of at Cisco, Leadership and Team Intelligence. Mm-hmm. And we named ourselves this because there is intelligence to be gathered around the power of teams, that we know that leaders have a disproportionate impact on the success or failure of a team, but we also know there's something that happens among team members, just as you were talking. It's that think tank. It's it's getting more minds together to, to move, move towards common purpose. And we're right in the middle of this study right now, so I can't share results, but, mm-hmm. but we are looking at the power of team and, um, and we'll be doing more team coaching and team interventions where necessary. And I think this is an emerging area that we'll see more of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's exciting to me. <laughs> it is exciting mm-hmm. because... 
both Sakina and Beth, as you have mentioned, that this is an emerging field and our new next generation of leaders are already into working as, into teams. So what better way to go than what they're naturally inclined towards? Any other thoughts you would like to share? Well, one thing we haven't talked a lot about, that's another context for coaching with organization that really matters is performance management. Um, and, and the reason that this is important if we're talking about creating a culture is we've, we've got to figure out how to take coaching and scale it through organizations so that we don't just have, you know, 10% of the organization who may be in, in senior leadership or maybe 20% that are in management getting coaching and then there's still, you know, an 80% that aren't able to get the benefits of this. So performance management is, is one uh, mode of coaching where you can have literally every employee in an organization getting some form of coaching. And so what is happening is lots of organizations now are, are picking up with that and not necessarily putting managers through a formal training program, but at least providing them with some training on coaching skills so that these managers learn how to listen better, how to, you know, to really do active listening and really help their employees, as Beth said earlier as well, to think so that the performance is not something that the manager has to sort of, you know, use a carrot and a stick to move the employee towards, but really tap into what would better look like for you? What would your best performance look like and what's getting in the way? And really giving that employee an opportunity to, to, to reflect and to share and to have a goal that comes from within them, right? To, to perform at their best, to really prove themselves out. And when you start to have the employee take ownership of that, the manager's work um, becomes a lot more enjoyable, if I can use that word. <laughs> um, and the whole idea of performance management becomes much more appealing to both employee and manager, right? Because we put accountability where it really belongs, which is with the individual contributor, right? And we've also said, what can we do as the manager to ensure that you can be at your best? And that's the concept, I think, that we always had with performance management. We just haven't been able to deliver on it. And I think using some coaching skills and a coach-like approach to it really will free us up as managers to be able to have the experience that we really want to have from our employees. Definitely. It absolutely resonates with me. Because now you're creating a synergy in the team. You're shifting the relationship of a manager and employee to a partnership rather than manager telling the employee what is the best they can do. The employee's taking the ownership of their own career trajectory and saying, okay, I'm seeing the possibilities. I'm taking the responsibility and accountability for my own actions and my career performance and I'm willing to do what it takes to do, or I'm willing to gain competency, skill sets to move my career in that direction and to align my goals and company goals. And talking about bringing the coaching down to the knowledge workers, just not the 
middle management and the upper management is so true because when I was in the biopharmaceuticals, I was fortunate to have been involved in rolling out pilot coaching program where what we did was we created an internal coaching program that was by no means a very exhaustive program. However, it was a program that taught the managers and supervisors and even employees the language of coaching. So now it's not only 10% or 15% who has been coached. It's more numbers of people who have been coached. And when manager is speaking the coaching language, employees are also understanding where the manager and supervisor is coming from. And when you're talking the same language, what's being projected and what's being perceived is on the same page. And when that happens, the change and transformation is absolutely stunning. So thank you, Sakina and Beth, for bringing up such great points. Really appreciate it. And if you were to share one takeaway for our audience that they could walk away with, what would that be? Beth, I'd like to invite you. One phrase that's stuck in my head from this conversation is that uh, after talking to hundreds, literally hundreds of employees and leaders across the company, the, the theme I'm hearing is I have more to offer that's being asked, and they don't know how to take that next step. How do I get it? And really through coaching engagements, it's helping employees um, and leaders figure that out. When are they at their best? When are they happiest? When are they most engaged and motivated? And then exploring avenues of how to get it. And, you know, Sakina brought that up in the career development discussion. And um, I just think it's so important to to have employees have an avenue to be able to be their best because they want to. Hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. And Sakina? Uh, I think what's coming to mind for me is, again, to remember that we're not talking about a silver bullet. You know, like take four coaching sessions and then tomorrow everything is going to be you know, perfect. It really is thinking about this strategically. And I think um, maybe what I want to share is that coaching for coaching to be successful in creating the shift in an organization, it has to be thought of strategically. It has to be mm-hmm. incorporated strategically. Mm-hmm. Right? So I guess, you know, if I were to make that very succinct, I would say coaching is a strategy, right? Mm, definitely. Good point. Oh, the hour has just run by us, and I'm sure our audiences will have several questions, and if they need to reach you, what is a good way to contact you? And if you would also like to share how you help individual leaders besides organizations and how, if anybody from our audience would like to reach you, how can they reach you and in which ways you can help them? You want me so, to Sakina, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so <clears throat> I have a direct email um, that can be used to reach me, and that is SGJ, so S 
is in Sam, G is in girl, J is in John, at Transformation Edge, all one word, transformationedge.com. My website is transformationedge.com. So that's the other way that I can be reached. And whether the organization is thinking about um, sending a few of their employees to get trained on the outside of the organization, we do that sort of coach training through North Carolina State University. And so that's an opportunity. We also support organizations who want to build an internal cadre of coaches um, by bringing an improved, uh, an approved ICF program inside your organization and training, you know, a staff or a group of people that can become uh, internal coaches. We also do a coaching essentials for managers. So if you want to begin to spread managers throughout the organization who can use coaching skills as a way of managing performance and managing their team, we bring that course inside of the organization as well. So there are a few ways in which, you know, we can support the development of coaching skills and the development of the culture. And outside of that, in my private practice, I also coach leaders, high potentials or emerging leaders, as well as senior leaders in organizations. So if any of those things are important or if they're just questions that you have around coaching, around coach training, around coach development, around making coaching strategic inside of your organization, I'm happy um, to help or support in any way. You can reach me again at sgj at transformationedge.com. Thank you, Sakina. And Beth, if you would share your information. Yeah, so I am leading this coaching program inside Cisco and still learning, uh, still learning what works, what doesn't work, how do we become more strategic, as, as Sakina mentioned. And I'm always happy to share best practices that we've employed at Cisco for this, and I'd love to learn from anyone on the, the call that has some information to share with me as, as we build out this journey. So my email address is B, so B for Beth, and then my last name, Hebner, H-U-E-B-N-E-R, at Cisco.com. And if that's too complicated or hard to spell, I can also be reached at BethCareerCounselor at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> and Thank Deborah, you for sharing that. Yes, go ahead. May I add one more thing um, for the audience, Absolutely. wherever they are. If, no matter where you are in the world on this call, if you want more information as it relates to coaching, again, you can also go to coachfederation.org, which is the ICF global website. So that's coachfederation.org. And also, if there's anyone in the North Carolina area, or especially in the Triangle area, there is an ICF local chapter, and that they can be reached at icfraleigh.org icfraleigh.org. Thank you, Sakina. And listeners, I have to say, if you're in the Raleigh area, ICF Raleigh chapter is an awesome chapter. I'm a member myself, and I really enjoy the energy and enthusiasm of the chapter board and the other members. So if you are in the area, please join us. And as always, if you need to reach me, I'm at your service. 
you can contact me at www.diviaparek.com or you can email me directly at contact at D as in David, I, V as in Victor, Y, A, P as in Paul, A as in Apple, R as in Robert, E, K as in Kevin, H as in Harry, dot com. Contact at diviaparek.com. I'm here at your service, and as always, please share your feedback as to what you would like to see in our upcoming calls and how we can serve you best. So I would like to take this moment and thank our wonderful guests, Sakina and Beth, for sharing their time and insights and knowledge with us and providing us this deep dive into why coaching matters in organization. So thank you, Sakina, and thank you, Beth. It's been my pleasure. My pleasure. Wonderful. And I will be seeing you, my dear listeners, this upcoming Friday at noon. We will be talking about how a veteran transitioned from the Army into the civilian life to an entrepreneurship. So again, how she moved beyond confidence towards success. We will be talking. Until then, be powerful, be great. Take care.